and Pogba leaves for McTominay! Magnificent! Torres, he's done it again! He has fizzed that into the bottom corner. Vardy for Chowdhury. And set for Madison! Alisson saw Salah running from his own half, so onside here, Mo Salah. Salah to settle it! In front of the cop! There's no feeling like that feeling! And now you've got to believe them. You have got to believe them. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the 3PL Podcast. It's been another busy week in the Premier League and there's no respite as we head into another weekend of, of action. This week we are joined by Mike later on, who will be here chatting to us all about Tottenham, so stay tuned for that. But before that, we're going to get into all of our match previews for the upcoming game week, starting with Wolves versus Leeds at Molyneux, uh, a Friday night game. And two teams who are very similarly placed in the table right now, Wolves in 12th, Leeds in 11th. Teams who are starting to pick up a bit of form towards the end of the season. Uh, Wolves have really picked it up lately with a good win against Southampton at the weekend, and Leeds... Had they not been hit by injuries, I think they probably would have put up a much better showing than they did against Arsenal. But they were fairly depleted in that game and Arsenal really took advantage of them by yeah, putting four goals past them. And I think it probably could have been a bit more. But yeah, Leeds showed some fight in the end, but they just couldn't do anything more than um, succumb to defeat in the end. But yeah, this is a, a big game for both clubs. I think a win would probably take either club into the position they probably expected to finish the season. Where for so long we thought Wolves were going to finish in the bottom 10, but they've with three games um, have t- turned around their fortunes and tough game to call at the moment. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, as you said, Wolves, I'd, I'd kind of written Wolves off as a top 10 contender this year, but they've definitely put themselves back in the mix. They're, they're still a few points off it, but they're looking a lot better the last few games and they seem to have found a way of playing without Jimenez that, that works for them, which is massively positive signs for them. As for Leeds, I mean, obviously the the defeat against Arsenal was was a heavy one. It was disappointing. But it's worth saying, I think, for a team to go 4-0 down and then to come back and, and actually fight back and get two goals and threaten to get more, you know, they could easily have made that a 4-3 game and, you know, not that far off it being a 4-4 game if they'd pushed a little bit more in that second half. So they showed a lot of spirit and a lot of fight to actually not just sort of let that entire game crumble away from them. Because a lot of teams would have got to 4-0 and gone into damage control and they, they stuck to their sort of methodology and, and went about it the right way. So I was impressed with that. I think it shows that they they're not going to give up the fight in any of the games this year. So they'll be a tough opponent for Wolves, but you know Wolves will back themselves going into this on the basis of good run of form, and they'll know that they they need to carry on winning if they are going to get into the top uh, top half of the table for the end of the season. Yeah, I think both teams will have to put together a good run to get into the top ten this season. I don't know which of these two I'd fancy to do it. To be honest, they've both showed in in places this season that they are capable. The only thing that worries me is the squad depth for both teams. Uh, we've seen it with Leeds especially recently. They've been really, really badly struck by injuries. And you looked at their lineup against Arsenal and they were playing players all over the place. Um, Stuart Dallas playing in midfield and you had Shackleton at right back. It just struck me as a very a weakened team. And obviously they had no choice at this point. But, you know, you get to this part of the season where results start to mo- matter the most. And if you're not going into every game with your strongest 11, you're obviously coming coming up against a disadvantage straight away. So, yes, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. And I would say, because of what I just said, Wolves are going to go in favourites, purely because they've got all their players fit. Yes, they don't have Jimenez, but as we've seen, unfortunately, against Southampton, you know, they're, they're capable of pulling out results. And I thought Neto had a, a great game, and he'll probably be the one they lean on to, to create things. So I think it's going to be a really tough game to call, and, and I'm struggling to think of a prediction. But in these situations, I think it's best just to side on a draw. So I'm going to go for a, a one-all draw and... Yeah, I guess the draw is a good result with both teams. Yeah, they probably both take it, but I think they'll both be wanting a win to, to pull away from each other um, and to give themselves that bit of an edge going into the next few games. I don't know why. I have a really strong feeling that Leeds are going to win this game. I think I was just so impressed with the way they didn't give up against Arsenal that I've sort of got a bit of a soft spot for them in the last few days. And I think they probably will take that fight into the game at Wolves and, and fight for it. And I can see them coming away with a win. I've actually written down a 2-0 win. Um, which might be a bit optimistic, but I'm going to stick with it. And yeah, I think Bielsa will be very happy if he manages to come away from Molyneux with that kind of result. Um, going into our next match, which is Southampton-Chelsea, a game I'm not looking forward to at all. Uh, recently, being a Southampton fan hasn't been fun. Been struggling, six losses in a row for the first time in the club's history. It is struggle central for us at the moment. And it's difficult to see where the next points are going to come from because 
We've got Chelsea next, who are flying under Thomas Tuchel. Four wins in a row. And yeah, I really don't see us turning around our fortunes in this one, unfortunately. As good as we were in that first half against Wolves, we showed again how fragile we are mentally in that second half. The moment Wolves came out, they looked like a better team than us. And we had no answers for the attacking options they were throwing at us. And it's a shame, really, because we started the season so well, but now... We're so fragile mentally after that that crushing defeat against Manchester United. We just haven't been able to bounce back like we did last time. And yeah, I think for us, it's going to be a struggle for the rest of the season. I think we're very fortunate. There are teams below us who are destined to fight relegation for the rest of the season. Whereas we're probably just above that uh, little cluster of teams, which is a nice place to be. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, going back, say, 10 games when we just beat Liverpool, I think we probably would have been expecting to finish top 10. Whereas now I would be... A little bit surprised if you managed it to be honest and then you look at this Chelsea side that we're coming up against who are resurgent under Thomas Tuchel probably vindicated that they sacked Frank Lampard when they did because they've looked great ever since and maybe Thomas Tuchel just bring in results which is what he's done so far just four wins four comfortable wins against teams you should be beating to be honest but nevertheless they're wins and god we could do one of those right now but I don't think it's going to come in this game so yeah I mean surely you're not predicting anything else than a Chelsea win in this one no, unfortunately, you're right. I, I can't. It's sort of, I feel harsh doing it because it's it's me It's basically predicting that you're going to lose seven in a row, which would just, have, as you say, it would have been unheard of at the start of the season. You just couldn't see that happening. But sadly, I have to agree with everything you said, and I'm not going to dwell on this game too much because I think you've, you've summed it up perfectly. It's a bad time for Southampton and Chelsea are on a, a brilliant run. Timo Werner's got his long-awaited goal against Newcastle on, on Monday night and how often do we see a striker go through a goal drought and then get one goal and then they start flooding in um, so sadly I've, I've predicted a 3-0 win for Chelsea in this one and I'd, I would be absolutely shocked if it was anything other than a Chelsea win but strange results do happen there's always a chance and it would be typically sort of Southampton to, to come out and get a win from this somehow and absolutely shock everyone so I hope for your sake that I'm wrong with my prediction but I unfortunately I don't think it, I will be wrong yeah I guess the question I guess I've already answered it in the sense is that do you think Chelsea have already justified sacking Frank Lampard with the results they've had in the last five games do you think Frank Lampard would have achieved any better or do you think this is probably vindication um, for Abramovich and the Chelsea board I mean, on, on the face of the results they've had, you'd say 100% looks like vindication for them, doesn't it? They, it looks like they've made exactly the right decision. He's got the wins. They, they've stopped conceding goals again. I think they've only conceded one goal in the league since uh, since he came in. So looking like a massive improvement defensively. And they're, they're getting the goals going forward. I would have to say, though, I think realistically, we, we need to wait till the end of the season before we know whether it was the right decision or not. Because as we've seen with so many teams, one run of good form does not mean that that's going to continue for the rest of the season. And if if they start to falter again towards the end and they, they finish outside the top four or even you know outside the European places, then it does beg the question why they didn't give Lampard until the end of the season to see if he could turn things around. But yeah, short term, really good early signs. Um, and, you know, they'd, they'll probably be saying that they've made the right decision. Yeah, I think that's how I would side on it as well. I mean, Frank Lampard obviously wasn't doing a bad job or nowhere near as bad as people were making out. But Thomas Tuchel's come in and the ease of the wins that he's been getting, I think, shows a lot about him as a manager and how he's managed to turn around a pretty a fairly fragile looking Chelsea defence into something that you can rely on week to week. And yeah, I guess that's something that Frank Lampard wasn't doing. So it's easy to say that Thomas Tuchel's come in and, and justified the decision, but ultimately we'll find out at the end of the season, like you said. Um, moving on then, we have Burnley against West Brom, two teams who are probably fancied to struggle at the start of the season and they have done really. Burnley definitely the better of the two teams at the moment. They've showed as much recently, especially with their result at the weekend, the 3-0 demolition of Crystal Palace. Really, really impressive performance to go to Crystal Palace and score three goals. I mean, it's not that impressive, but I mean, for a Burnley side that are used to grinding out 1-0 wins, it surprised me. And, but yeah, really big win for them. Takes them up to 16th in the Premier League and they're coming up against the West Brom side who actually managed to get a fairly credible result against Manchester United. I don't think anyone would have fancied them to get anything against United, but they did. And it was a good performance all in all. I thought they battled really hard and they probably were quite fortunate that some VAR calls went with them rather than against them. Um, very notable penalty call in that game, but... In my opinion, it wasn't a penalty. I think they probably did have to ride their luck a little bit towards the end, but a very good point for West Brom. But at this point, probably isn't quite enough for them. I think a win would have been huge and probably would have you know, lifted them onto similar levels as to where Fulham are now. But they've been left behind Fulham. Up. Obviously, they got a really good result against Everton and 
I think West Brom and Sheffield United are starting to cut themselves off a little bit. Yeah, they definitely are. And I think it's a sign of how bad West Brom have been this season that I think if Sheffield United had won their game against West Ham, they would have gone above West Brom, which considering how bad Sheffield United have been, I think that's a real sort of sign of, of, of how West Brom have really allowed themselves to be drawn into a position that they should never have allowed to happen. It was an impressive result against Man United, but we saw that with them when they got an impressive result against Liverpool and an impressive result against Man City earlier on in the season. They seem to be able to get draws against the big teams and then just get walloped by the other teams around them, which is, I mean, you're not going to survive like that. As you said, though, Burnley have done a brilliant job of pulling themselves away from danger. They're, they're actually looking pretty safe now, eight points off the relegation zone, so they're looking really good. And I think some of the football they, they've played the last couple of games has been really good, especially against Crystal Palace. They looked like a really quality team. Players chipping in from all over the pitch with goals. It was a really good all-round performance. I mean, it seems like there's only one obvious winner coming out of this game, and that's the way I've, I've called it as well. I've gone for a 2-0 win to Burnley. Feels like that's the natural, obvious result to happen. But I mean, as we always say, there, there can be shocks. But I would, I just can't see West Brom getting a win from anywhere at the moment. I don't remember the last time I watched West Brom and thought they looked like a team that could win a game. Yeah, it's not going to be an attractive game to watch, that's for sure. Uh, Burnley at home, though, I think they are more likely to get a result than West Brom. I think West Brom have had their chance to pick up points against some of the teams at home. And now when they travel away, they seem to just leak goals. And I don't expect that to be any different in this one. Burnley do have a midweek game again against Fulham, which is a huge game for them too. So two big games now where Burnley can really put some distance between the teams below them. And I think if they do that, then, you know, they'll be safe this season and they won't have to worry about it. But they definitely will go in favourites to this game. And um, regardless of how poor some of the football Burnley have been playing at Turf Moor, I do think they'll probably just about be good enough to get a 1-0 win against West Brom. You know, they've got, they've got players in this team who just do chip in of goals. Like you said, at the weekends, they had Matt Lowton chipping in of the goal. I think it was his first goal win several seasons. And when you have players like that turning up in important moments, I think, you know, they, they will win you games. And I expect that to be the case here. Maybe just one goal from one of the players who hasn't scored this season. And that will probably seal the deal for Burnley. So, yeah, that's what I expect to happen. Yeah, I, th- I think that seems like the the obvious option for this game, doesn't it? You, you can't see West Brom having enough to stop Burnley from winning it. But yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be a very exciting match to watch, which is not what you can say for the next game because we've got Liverpool against Everton in the Merseyside derby. Normally, we go into these games with the last few seasons thinking, oh, Liverpool definitely going to win this one. They always beat Everton recently. They're dominant. They're flying in the league. But as it's, as has been sort of about as well documented as any team's form can be documented, Liverpool are having a horrible time at the moment and Everton have been playing some great football and have been getting some good results. Although I do think Everton's form is slightly being sort of blurred by the fact that they've got this continued FA Cup run and the way they beat Tottenham 5-4 in the FA Cup. If you look at their actual league results, they're was it two wins, two draws and two defeats from their last six. So it's a fairly average form. But yeah, I think probably for the first time in a few seasons, I'd have to say I'd be back in Everton to get the win in this game rather than Liverpool. Although I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what my actual prediction is shortly, but I think it's probably fair to say that it'll be the one time that you would sort of back Everton over them, do you think? Yeah, it's a ballsy shout, but I can see where you're coming from, to be honest. Although Everton's home form has been poor lately, but I think a lot of that result against Fulham came down to the effort they put in against Tottenham in midweek in the FA Cup. Like you said, I think they put out a really strong team in that game, clearly showing their intentions that they want to go far in the FA Cup, and it probably cost them when it came round to their league game against Fulham. And that 2-0 defeat at home wasn't, great from them difficult to put a finger as to what went wrong there but I think Fulham just turned up and I've seen it before this season they can turn up at teams especially like they did against Leicester and just you know put in a really strong defensive performance and lock you out and that's what they did to Everton so this is a huge game though for both teams uh Liverpool have been so poor lately unlike anything we've seen from a Jurgen Klopp Liverpool side probably for almost two years now but honestly it's going to be a really tough game for both teams because you look at their league positions sixth versus seventh and a win for Everton would just mean everything for them. Not only is it a win over your rivals, but you're then leapfrogging them in the table. And that's psychologically massive, I think. I'm not sure whether it will happen. I think this is a great opportunity for Liverpool just to put a stamp on their authority in, in, in Merseyside and, and really show their intentions for the rest of the season. But as we saw against Leicester, defensively, they were just all over the place. Kabak making his debut made a pretty big mistake. You could argue it was Alisson's mistake, but either way, that, that almost set off some kind of like time bomb in defence and once that happened the goals just started flying in left right and centre and I think when that fragility is there in defence even for a team like Liverpool with the quality they have it's going to be detrimental to your season and that's how it's kind of proving that obviously finding themselves currently sixth in the league is terrible from their point of view but yeah equally 
it's a very difficult game to call because of the injuries that Everton have at the moment as well. Not having Calvert-Lewin to spearhead their attack is something that they're going to miss. We saw that Richarlison wasn't the guy against Fulham, couldn't score the goals. And I think that might that might be what it comes down to, which team has the strikers, has the goal scorers. And we've seen over and over again that Salah's going to pop up with a goal almost like clockwork. So it's going to be tough to call. I don't know if I want to make my prediction before you, but I'm going to go with a 1-0 Liverpool win. And I think it's going to be a really tight game and it's really difficult to call. But I do think they're probably just going to edge Everton. And yeah, I'm very prepared to be wrong about this one. Yeah, it is a really, really tough one to call, isn't it? Because as you know, Liverpool are going to go into this knowing that a win would mean the absolute world to their fans. And it would almost be a great, as you said, like a, a stamp of authority to say, look, we're on terrible form. We're missing some of our best players, but we've still beat our main rivals easily. I don't think it will be easy. And I actually don't think they will win. Um, I've, I've written down a 2-2 draw. Because I do think both teams have looked frail defensively in previous games. Everton have conceded a lot of goals in, in their matches. You think they conceded four against Tottenham in the Cup, three against Man United, two against Fulham, two against Newcastle. So that, that's not a good record going into this game. So I'm backing there to be plenty of goals in this game. Not really sure why, um, but I'm doing it anyway. And yeah, 2-2 two, two draw. So hope, hopefully it'll be a nice, exciting one for us to watch. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that your prediction comes true, to be honest, because mine, although I can see it happening, I, I would like to see an uh, action-packed game. We saw that at Goodison Park earlier on in the season with lots of VAR calls, lots of goals, lots of controversy. And I think for the Premier League, it'd be great to see more of that rather than a 1-0 Liverpool win. But we'll see how it goes at the weekend and um, see who's smiling, I guess, by the end of that game. Um, moving on then, we have Fulham versus Sheffield United, two teams currently in the relegation zone. Although Fulham lately have shown signs of Recovery, if anything, I think they probably are the one team that are likely to creep out if any team does. They picked up a really, really good win against Everton, uh, as I just mentioned. Josh Madger, their new signing, was the one that inspired it all. I uh, didn't think he had actually too much to do in this game other than score the two goals that he did. I think he just found himself in the right position on two occasions and that was enough for Fulham to get the result. And I guess that's something they've been missing all season. They've not had that striker to be aware in the box, to pounce on mistakes from goalkeepers, from defenders. But... He's come in, started his first game, and he's bagged two goals. So credit to Fulham for bringing him in and credit to Josh Madger for taking the opportunities that he's been given because I think he'll probably be the mainstay in that team now because you come in on your debut and you score two goals. I think you've already done more than some of the strikers that have been there all season have done. So, yeah, credit to him. And then he's coming up against a Sheffield United side who have just leaked three goals against West Ham, your team. Yeah, I mean, it's not looking great for them, is it, to be honest, because... Not only do they have the lowest points total in the Premier League at the moment, but they just lost to West Ham in, in a really bad fashion, I thought, because they've been showing signs of recovery lately. You know, they picked up a good win against West Brom, a win against Manchester United, of course, but then they go into a game against West Ham, which you'd probably fancy yourself in, and then you just leak three goals and, yeah, another defeat to add to their, their long list this season. But I would probably expect Fulham to get a result in this. I've said that a lot of times this season, though, and, and never have they really gone through, um, picked up a lot of draws, but not a lot of wins. But I do think a win in this game could well see them getting pretty close to survival. Yeah, I think on, on what you're saying about Sheffield United and West Ham in that game, 100% have to agree. I mean, obviously, I was delighted to see the result. But quite a few of the pundits said the same. West Ham never really got out of like first or second gear in that game. It was it was such an easy win. You look at the, the lineup we fielded, if we didn't have a striker on the pitch, we still won 3-0. We, the two of the players that scored goals for us barely even started a game this season. So it was it was a weakened West Ham team with a, quite a large number of injuries and changes in force for various reasons that was able to just walk all over them and stroll to a victory, um, which is not how I saw the game going at all. So yeah, I think for Sheffield United, that's a worry because as you said, they were showing some fight, but it seems like it just all went out of them last night. Fulham will look at that and think they're a team that are there for the taking. Fulham are desperate for the three points. So are Sheffield United to an extent, but also they've got to accept their 14 points off safety with 14 games to go. That's an insurmountable climb for them. Even if they win every game, they might not survive that. So you've got to think there's going to be a part of the Sheffield United team that's not going to have the desire to fight as much as, as Fulham are. Um, Fulham have definitely got a realistic chance of survival if they carry on playing the football they've been playing. And if Josh Madger turns out to be the signing that he looks like he might be from that first showing against Everton, then... You know, could he be the unlikely hero that leads them to safety? I've predicted a, another 2-0 win for Fulham here. I could see Madger getting another goal. I can't see Sheffield United scoring. 
And yeah, I think it should be a fairly comfortable win for Fulham that might set them on the right path to climbing back up out of the relegation zone. Yeah, I've gone down a similar route to you, actually. I've gone for a 2-1 Fulham win. I do see Sheffield United scoring for some reason. Fulham have been good at home, but they do have tendencies to concede goals as well. So I do think it will be a narrow win if they do get it. And I think if they do get this win, realistically, they should be aiming for survival. I think they'll be relying on other results, of course, but I think there are teams above them who probably will slip into danger. Newcastle being one of them, of course, that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now. They're probably the one team who are in danger of, of Fulham overtaking them. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great place to be for Fulham, I think. Maybe not as a fan, because it, it must be quite nerve-wracking every game you're going into, knowing you have to win. I would be excited if I was a Fulham fan, because these are the opportunities that you wait for. These are the games that you build yourself up for to win. And I think if they beat Sheffield United, the momentum will be massive for them going on for the rest of the season. And, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they, if they just, just do stay up this season. Yeah, I agree. And I hope you're right. I really do. Um, We've said before, Fulham, you know, they've played some good football this year and they've been unlucky with some of their results. So, yeah, I think think they could well survive and and good luck to them in their their battle to do that. Okay, so this week uh, we've got Mike joining us from uh, FTB Sports. Um, Mike, thanks very much for coming on. Excited to have you here to talk to us a bit about Tottenham Hotspur and how the season's been going so far and where you sort of see things going. Interesting season for you so far. Some ups and downs started off really well. What What do you think? How How's it been going overall? What's yeah. your sort of general opinion? It's been an interesting season. Tottenham started off very, very strong. Probably stronger than what I think if most Tottenham fans were honest with themselves, I think we probably started stronger than what we first thought we, we would ever start that strong. Um, the first, I'd say the first half of the season, I think every Tottenham fan, if you asked them how the, the first half of that season had gone, I think overall, everyone would have been very happy. I know there's there's a lot of Tottenham fans who, who proclaim that the football Jose's brought in um, to Spurs and it, it is very different to... I suppose the style of football and the brand of football that we've been accustomed to under the likes of Pochettino, Harry Redknapp, um, even far back as Martin Yole. But if you ask Tottenham fans, and I suppose, I mean, I've been supporting Tottenham for 30 years and I've seen the beautiful football that Tottenham have played, which is, un- it, it, you can't really question the, the brand and the style of football is is sometimes beautiful to watch however it ha- it hasn't got us anything in the grand scheme of things so when when Jose sort of came in I was a little bit I sat on the fence 50-50 I was open-minded um, as to what to expect so I'm of the thought process of if Mourinho brings us trophies I don't really care what style of football he brings as long as he delivers then, then that's all I that's all I care about as a fan because as I say, throughout the years I've watched the lovely football. We've been close. We've got to finals like the Champions League final, etc. But it, it's got us nowhere. So, um, I mean, as I say, going back to, to your question, the first half of the season I've been I was happy, um, and it's only been probably since the turn of the year where things have started to go against us, shall we say. Um, and now you're hearing a lot of Tottenham fans. Um, some want Jose out, some want Enik out. Myself, I'm. I like to see myself as a bit of a realist as to with expectations. It's going to be a bumpy road, but isn't it always when Red Mourinho's in charge? Um, as I say, I'm. 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 I'm content with how things have gone so far um, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, like you said, it's all kind of unravelled since the new year. Um, some poor results. Um... Some performances just not quite where they were at the start of the season, like you said. Do you put that down to anything in particular, or do you just think it's a combination of things? Maybe Mourinho losing the dressing room a little bit, players getting injured at the wrong time. Or do you think it's just different possibilities all factoring into one? Do you know it's a good question because this has come up a couple of times. I don't think Mourinho's lost the dressing room because there hasn't been any players that have come out and said that they're unhappy. If anything, players like Kane have been in full support of Mourinho, fully backing him in terms of the tactics that he's deploying and and they're fully behind him so I don't think he's he's lost the the dressing room at all what seems to have happened a lot this this season is a lot of the teams have all had their sort of dips in form like the bigger teams had it very early on in the beginning of the season like some Manchester United Man City 
you could argue Arsenal uh, are still in that sort of blip. They haven't had a great season at all. I'm putting it down to where we are now. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping it's a dip in form. Just talking of sort of bad form. I mean, I was looking at your fixture list before we came on this, and looking at it, you've almost you've had some of the toughest games of the second half of the season been and gone already. <laughs> Um, it, yeah. I would say, looking at your fixture list, you've probably got one of the most favourable runs into the end of the season in terms of the teams that you've got still to play. Assuming yeah. you can pick up some form and get sort of players like Kane and Son firing again and, and back to the partnership that we saw from them early on in the season. Realistically, I mean, obviously you're going to have hopes as to where you can finish, but what's your sort of realistic expectation as to Spurs' yeah. final league position at the end of the, the season? I think, I think, like you mentioned, we've we've now played the likes of Liverpool twice, Man City twice, arguably obviously the, the best two teams in the in the league. And having them out of the way for the second half of the season, um, I think it only leaves us with the likes of Man United to play, Leicester to play, Arsenal. So on that on that basis, and the fact I would like to think that we're hopefully coming out of this bad form that we have been in, um, and with the games being favourable for us towards well, from now to the end of the season realistically we're only four points off top four and I think we've got a game in hand so we've still got quite a bit to play for we've still got Europa and we've still got obviously the cup final the Carabao cup final in April I would like to think that we can that we can finish within the top four if we can find the form that we had beginning of the season I I think Mourinho should stick to I think he should go back to to the way we were playing because it was working whether it was to, to fans' enjoyment, shall we say, if you, if you take that apart and just stick to the fact that we were getting the results um, and we we're getting getting big results, really, yeah, I would like to think that we could easily, well, I say easily, nothing's easy in the Premier League, is it? But I would like to think we could get into the top four, um, and I think that is realistic. Um, we're not. I know there was at the beginning of the season after something like ten, was it ten to ten to fifteen games, there was a lot of noise about Tottenham being potential title challenges I for one didn't ever think that we would challenge for the title I, I although we've got a, a strong squad I didn't believe that it was strong enough to compete with the likes of Man City and still Liverpool because they were they, they were still able to grind out results when it mattered I don't know recently that's kind of changed etc but I my expectation at the beginning of the season was to get top four and that is still my expectation and I think we've we've got the squad and if the the players that are sort of out injured I think it's only Le Celso and Regulon if we can get that form and find the the, the know-how to to get us over the line even when we are playing badly and get the three points there should be no reason why we can't sort of realistically challenge for that top four. I certainly don't like us being down where we are at the moment. Not when Arsenal, I think, are like a, a position below us. Um, we've uh, was it two points? I, I believe they're away from us. Although we've got a game in hand. Um, yeah, I want to see us shoot back up that that table quite quickly. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, you've had a couple of players who have been on the sidelines almost all season. Now you've had Gareth Bale coming in the summer. Hasn't really played much Premier League football at all. And then Deli Ali, we've seen, has been. Tottenham's best player for season upon season and neither of them have really played this season. Do you think either of them have been given a fair chance? No, I I don't think. I, I mean, Mourinho, he's an acquired taste and he's very, uh, he can split opinion quite easily. But with his handling of Gareth Bale, he did mention in the media that when we got Gareth Bale, we knew it was kind of like a project with him, i.e. he hadn't played for many games at Real Madrid. He'd been out for quite some time. He obviously had injuries, etc. So he wasn't anywhere near the the level of fitness that Mourinho requires um, from his players to, to play the, the sort of the style of play that we now deploy at Spurs. And on that basis... I, for for any player to to get any sort of form is difficult when you're not playing consistently. I believe if Bale had a run of five games, at least like a handful of games, where he was getting 60, 70, 80 sort of minutes, I think we would see a different Bale to what we have done. And I mean, we saw a glimpse in the Man City game um, where he picked the ball up and he skittled around a couple of Man City um, centre-backs 
and got a shot off, which was obviously Edison saved it. But it's moments like that that show, well, maybe Bale has still got it. I think myself, Bale needs to reinvent himself as a player. Um, and I, I think he needs to come more inside, maybe in the number 10 role, or even maybe as a number nine if he comes more in, more into the centre of the pitch, as I say, maybe in a, a potential number 10 role, um, where he hasn't got to do the running up and down the flank, then you might find that Bale can reinvent himself, can find some form, and he could be, it could be an asset for us. But, I mean, going back to, to your question in regards to sort of Bale's treatment, specifically yeah I don't think he's been treated fairly and the same with Deli Ali um I, I I know he's sort of had injuries he's been left out of the team etc and my my thoughts on that is Mourinho I think has probably seen something with Ali in training that he doesn't like i.e he probably doesn't work hard enough and I think there's there's been a fair bit of noise around that in regards to Ali and his and his work rate, when you see some of these players, like on social media, for example, it sometimes you have to question whether they are more interested in their social media side of things or whether they're more interested on things on the pitch. And I think Ali probably falls into that bracket because he is heavily involved in sort of social media advertising promotions etc um i mean you always see him on on instagram for example um but if you put those efforts maybe into training back on the pitch he might find that his fortunes change and he might get that game time that he's wanting or he feels he deserves and again he's another player bit similar to bale whereby his work rate on the pitch probably is questionable because He's not the type of player that will just run up and down for 90 minutes. He's not a box-to-box player. Um, and he does lose possession quite a bit. And there's been occasions in matches where he's he's lost possession, thrown his arms up in the air, and he's expecting others to sort of bail him out. And that doesn't always happen. And it's only going to get to a certain point when those players around him will get fed up of doing the donkey work for him and chasing like the, the, the possession that he's losing. So... I think, yeah, I think it's probably a, a bit of a 50-50 with, with Ali. I think if he showed probably more work ethic, if he grafted and put got his head down and, and did the stuff on the pitch that everyone knows he's capable capable of, because he's, he's capable of 15, I think it's like 15 goals a season on average that he, he, he scores. And Tottenham could probably do with those goals, um, especially when we're just relying on the likes of Sun and came to to, to, to to sort of notch um, having someone like Ali in the team who's capable of finding the back of the net I'd like to see him sort of knuckle down and for the rest of the season because we've got the championships coming up so he again he needs to be playing regularly he needs to find form quickly to get into Southgate's plans as such so it's not just obviously Tottenham's for Tottenham's benefit, it's for his own benefit because otherwise he's going to find himself staying at home. He definitely will find himself staying at home at the moment because the the sort of the amount of quality that England have now got in those yeah. areas of the pitch, he's going to really find it hard to break back into that team. Interesting what, what you were saying about Bale about that moment he had against Man City. Um, he had a very very similar moment um, in a game you'll probably want to have forgotten about in the three three against West Ham, where I think at three two. He had that incredible sort of dribble past about five players and then just put it wide of the post. And I remember thinking to myself a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks after, if, if he'd put that away, I wonder if we'd be having a very different conversation about Gareth Bale now. Would that have meant he'd stayed in the team and, and had a run? And who know, we know he's got the quality. Yeah. Um, it almost feels like it's just all gone a yeah. bit horribly wrong for him, doesn't it? It's a shame, really, because he is a, a great quality yeah, player yeah. and someone you'd like to see in the Premier League. It, it is. Yeah, and it's funny because you don't lose that talent. You don't lose you don't lose the, the, your talent overnight. You don't become a bad player overnight. He obviously still got that in his locker. Um, but again, I go back to my point of consistency. He needs a run of games. He needs to find form. And if you're just playing him as a bit part player for 20 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 
I think he came on. I can't remember what game he came on, and then he got like five or ten minutes. That's no good to him. He needs he needs a minimum of a half an hour just to just to find some sort of match fitness. I use that in a loose sense because thirty minutes isn't really going to get you match fit, but at least get him the minutes on the clock so he, his body gets used to the Premier League again. Yeah, so obviously we're halfway through the season at this point. Um, like you said, Tottenham are, are way outside the Champions League places as it stands yeah. and you've got a cup final in a couple of months. If you could only take one thing this season, what would it be? Would it be a top four finish or would it be a League Cup win? What a question. <laughs> That's a very good question. I think I would take a top four, a top four finish. As much as I'd like a trophy and Tottenham are starved of trophies. Yeah, I, I, that's what I would... I'd put my money on the top four finish. Um, just purely on the basis... I mean, the cup final, anything can happen as well, can't it? I know in Tottenham, we'll get to a cup final and uh, we'll pin our hopes on that because we haven't managed to, to get to the uh, top... into the top four and uh, it all goes wrong. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I'll go top four finish. OK, and then so just one final question, really looking forward to the weekend coming up. We've got a, a London derby, my team taking on yours, West Ham against Tottenham. <laughs> I mean, we had a ridiculous game earlier this season. We often seem to have very exciting games. It's very rare that you get a dull game between Tottenham and West Ham. What do you think is going to happen? Are you confident of a win or do you think, I mean, West Ham on good form, do you think there's a, a danger of a, another upset there? It's funny you should say that because if Tottenham hadn't had the injuries that we had and hadn't had the bad form and if West Ham weren't in the position that they see themselves in at the moment I would obviously bank for a Tottenham for a Tottenham win I mean we were 3-0 up against yourselves at the beginning of the season and if it wasn't for our uh, if it wasn't for Sanchez for example you could argue that we would have we would have got the three points had it not been for his mistakes um, my only concern will be well, it will be who's the centre-back pairing. Um, if we play Sanchez and Eric Dyer, I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't fancy our chances. Um, and it, and that's what's cost us uh, in a lot of the games is just individual errors. And I, and I think with with West Ham, I'd like to... Again, it all depends on who we play midweek, um, who the centre-back pairing is midweek. Uh, Rodon's not in the squad, so I would like to think that he plays against West Ham. Um, and I'd like to think that he'd put Toby back at centre-back. Um, and if we've got Regulon back fit, then that defence all of a sudden, on paper, looks looks much better. If I had to, if you was going to ask me for for a prediction, I'm always going to go for a Tottenham win. Um, although I do think it'll be very, very tight. And it, and again, as I say, it depends on who our centre backs are. Um, <laughs> and it's not taking anything away from West Ham. Um, you, you, you guys are in fine form at the moment, and I think David Moyes has got you guys finely tuned. But yeah, I'm always going to bank on a on a Spurs win, especially if Kane and Son are available and they're firing on all cylinders. I'd like to think that we'd have a bit too much going forward for West Ham. Well, yeah, thanks very much for coming on. Great to speak to you. Um, and um, good yeah. luck with, with all of the stuff you're doing um, with FTB Sports as well. And um, Thank you. I hope you don't enjoy the game on Sunday as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. It's been a pleasure coming on, guys. I've enjoyed it. Right, so going into my prediction for this game, I mean, we've just spoken to Mike about how he sees it going. Um, I've actually gone for the exact opposite result from him. I've gone for a 2-1 West Ham win. I've got to back my own team in a London derby like this. Um, it's it's a bit more optimistic than I actually feel, but I'm going to write down a win and, and back myself for a win. But I do think it's going to be a really difficult game, and I think both teams will view it as a game they can win. Um, and it could be quite an exciting one. So interested to hear what your thoughts are on this one. Well, yeah, it's a big game for both teams, isn't it, really? Realistically, I would be expecting your league position to be theirs at the moment. I expect you to be ninth and then and Tottenham to be fifth, but it's the opposite way around at the moment. And I think if you do get a positive result in this game, you know, you're justifiably in those spots in the league. You are basically in the Champions League spots as it stands. Yes, you're not in their own goal difference, but, you know, you are pretty much keeping pace with the teams above you, which is super impressive. And it'll be very interesting to see, if anything, this is the game that you'll find out whether you can keep up with these teams who are expected to be in those positions because I think if you beat Tottenham then realistically what you're aiming for for the rest of the season is Champions League football rather than Europa League. Massive game for both teams 
as always, like I've said, for most of the games where I build them up to be massive, I'm actually going to sit on the fence and go for a draw again. I think a draw is a realistic result to expect, not just for West Ham fans, but for Tottenham fans too. I don't think Tottenham have been very good lately. And I think West Ham probably will struggle against some of the firepower that Tottenham have, like Mike said. So I think a two-all draw would, would be fairly realistic to predict. And I don't think he'd be too unhappy with that. No, to be honest, I'd be delighted with that. I think uh, a draw would be a great result from that game. It would keep us up there. Obviously, I'd love to say that we're going to push for Champions League football, but realistically, it's not going to happen. We've still got to play City. We've still got to play Chelsea. We've still got to play Arsenal. We've still got to play Everton. We've, we've got a lot of the big teams still to come. Um, and I think realistically, we're going to see the form dip at some point. Um, I just got to hope it doesn't start against Tottenham because it's always the one that I find it hardest to accept when, when we don't get a good result against them. So yeah, 2-2 draw, I'd definitely take. I wouldn't be disappointed with that. And I think it would set us up nicely to go into the next few games with a bit of confidence. Um, moving on to the next game, Aston Villa um, are taking on Leicester. This game historically has been quite an entertaining game, if I remember correctly. There's been some fairly big scorelines. Aston Villa have obviously dipped off their league position a little bit, but they've still got some games in hand and they're still looking to push, like likewise as West Ham, looking to push for a Champions League place, whereas Leicester are firmly in those Champions League places and fully deserve to be where they are. So this is probably another one that's really, really tough to call this week. Um, I've really struggled when thinking about this one and think I have any vision in my mind of how this game's going to go, whether it's going to be defensive, whether it's going to be attacking, whether it's going to be a stalemate. I honestly do not know how to call this one. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have sided on an Aston Villa result, actually. But recently, Jack Grealish hasn't really been as much of a target man for Aston Villa, or maybe he's just gone off the boil a little bit he's not been putting in the same big performances that he's been having over the first half of the season and for someone of his importance to that team that really does start to affect Aston Villa and we saw it again against Brighton on the weekends that they just weren't able to break Brighton down create anything for Ollie Watkins and without Jack Grealish firing on all cylinders I don't think they're half the team they are when he's fully on form and he kind of hasn't really been on form for the last month or so. So I think that's going to play a big part in the rest of their season. Um, as for Leicester, we saw just how good they can be against Liverpool. They were second best, I would say, for the majority of the game. But as soon as they saw a little bit of fragility in that Liverpool defence, they just took advantage. And yeah, once Jamie Vardy put them 2-1 up after that mistake from Kabak, I thought they looked like the better team and they were the ones that were going to go on to win the game. And they did comfortably in the end. I thought they just took advantage of the weaknesses that Liverpool have in their de- in their defence and fully deserve to get the three points in the end, which isn't something I'd expect to be saying. Yeah, credit to them. They're in the Champions League spots and they have been all season. And I fully, I fully expect them to finish in the top four this season, which is pretty amazing considering the amount of money that goes into this Leicester side every season, which really isn't much, to be honest. I think they've made one or two big signings every summer, probably since they won the league. But they're not players that you would rave and shout about, but every single player has a, has a place in this team. And they're starting to create something pretty special in Leicester again. And I would probably expect them to finish second this season. I think they're a much better and much more consistent side than Manchester United. So it would be great to see them finish second. And again, it's credit to Brendan Rodgers because I think he's probably a good shout for manager of the season again. I think he's just got this Leicester side playing such a good round of football. And I don't think Leicester fans would expect to be where they are at this stage of the season, but this is where they are. And they can fully expect to get European football again next year, which is great for them. So... Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have sat on the fence and maybe gone for another draw. But I do think Leicester are just a better team at the moment. So that is why I've gone with my my 2-0 prediction. I just I don't see where Aston Villa are going to be able to get a goal from against this Leicester side because they've just been, you know, so, so great to watch lately. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think what I find just as remarkable for Leicester, not, not just about the, the lack of money that they've spent, but the consistency of them being up there fighting for these positions. I mean, last season, they only missed out on top four by one game, I think it was. I think if they'd beaten Man United last game of the season, they'd have got top four last year. And now here they are again, right up there in the mix. And the only thing Leicester fans would be worried about is they were in the mix like this last season around the same stage. And then obviously COVID hit, we went into lockdown. And after lockdown, they just weren't the same team. Obviously, there's not going to be that big season break this time that will affect sort of momentum. And I think this time Leicester can carry on that momentum and push all the way through. And and I completely agree. I back them to finish in the top four. And I think you're probably right. Realistically, if you had to pick a team to finish second place, Man United or Leicester, you'd say Leicester have the better chance at this stage. So, yeah, I've gone for a Leicester win as well. I've gone for a 1-0 win rather than 2-0 because I do think Aston Villa will make it tough for them. We've seen they can be very solid defensively in previous games. But yeah, I think as you said about Grealish, I saw some stats on his attacking output 
um, over the last nine games is a massive, massive dip on what he was doing in the first half of the season. So not really sure why that is. There doesn't seem to be any one factor that's created that. But if he carries on like that, Aston Villa are going to struggle because the main difference between Aston Villa this season and last, um, aside from Molly Watkins, obviously as a striker, is the level that Grealish has been playing at this year. If you take Watkins' goals away and you take Grealish's um, influence on that team away, they're back to the relegation contenders that they were last year. That's probably a bit of an exaggeration to put it that harshly, but they're not far off being in that position in terms of the players that they've got on the pitch. They're, they're very similar to what they had last year. So yeah, I do think Leicester will have the edge in this one and I think they'll get a comfortable 1-0 win. Um, which brings us on nicely to Arsenal taking on Man City. Arsenal was sat bang in the middle of the table, 10th place. They got a good result against Leeds off, off the back of a couple of poor results and they uh, obviously now have Aubameyang firing again. A bit like we said with Timo Werner earlier, once, once you start scoring, they tend to flow, don't they? So good chance for him to get some more goals. But then you've got to look at Man City and their form and just wonder where any team is going to be able to beat them. I mean, I, I don't see anything other than a Man City win from this just because it seems foolish to predict anything other than a Man City win in any game at the moment. But I don't know. Let's see. But do you think Arsenal are the team that might have what it takes to break this winning streak? Yeah, no. Um, I, w- I would like to say yes. I would like to, you know, surprise everyone by, by saying there is a team in the Premier League that can rival Man City. But to be honest, I don't think anyone does. And that's no disrespect to Arsenal. And, and it's, you know, almost a compliment to how good City have been recently in that I don't see any team on their level at the moment. Arsenal were, were improved against Leeds, I thought. They obviously were lucky, I guess, that Aubameyang turned up for a change and, and managed to get the goals that, that won them the game because he's been absent for so long now and he's been putting in poor performances after poor, poor performance. And I, I think this is finally, you know, maybe a turning point for him this season and maybe he can get it going. Arsenal need him to because without him, they, they do struggle for goals. But against this Man City side, I just don't think it's a good matchup for, for Arsenal. As we've seen in the past they tend to get bullied off the ball I think it's like a battle of two styles where in previous seasons we've seen Arsenal try and play this you know nice free-flowing football and they come up against a team who can just do it better than them and I think it's to be the same again because I think Arteta bases a lot of what he does with this Arsenal side as to what he's learned off Pep at City and obviously Pep can do it better yeah I really can't see Arsenal doing too well in this game and and the form that City are in I don't think anyone would want to predict anything other than a City win they've been so good that win against Tottenham was so comfortable for a team that is supposed to be a top four contender of the season they just absolutely destroyed them Gundogan again with a man of the match performance and I don't know where this form has come from because I've never seen him play so well yeah whatever he's doing uh is is sensational because we saw for so many seasons when he was signed for Man City that he was one of those players who would just drop in and out of the side wouldn't be able to do anything to impact a game whereas now Pep seemed to have brought out this side to him where he plays them a little further forwards maybe, he's impacting the game more and he's just finding himself in the right position all the time and his second goal against Tottenham where he sat down Sanchez and just smashed the ball past the keeper was, you know, something you would liken to the likes of Messi and Ronaldo, let alone a, you know, an ageing German midfielder that plays for Man City so it was really impressive to watch and from now on I think the rest of the season we're just going to see Man City go from strength to strength and I think the title for them is almost an inevitability. They've been so good for so long that they've really built up this lead now, which looks insurmountable. I really can't see Arsenal worrying them even a little bit, to be honest. No, I agree. And you think with Man City having you know Aguero's back on their bench, uh, De Bruyne's back in training this week, they've been pulling out these results with some of their players, their key players missing. You can only see them carrying on this form and, and getting stronger and stronger. So I've gone with a 3-0 Man City win here. I think they're just, they look so good defensively. They look so good going forward. I feel a bit sorry for Arsenal predicting that because I do think they probably deserve a, a slightly better prediction than that given some of the, well, the way they played against Leeds I thought was excellent. But yeah, I think unfortunately, as, as you said, there's, there's something about this Man City team that you just can't do anything about it at the moment. And I'll be really surprised if Arsenal are the team that are able to, to end that winning run. I just it's not going to happen is it no it would be a nice story though to see Arteta get one over his former mentor I guess but yeah in this game it just doesn't seem likely at all and it's credit to Man City really for making it so easy for us to predict because you know every game they go into now we're just going to predict a a clean sheet and and a comfortable victory which is something earlier in the season we were very reluctant to predict but yeah I'm going to go similar to you I'm going to go for a 2-0 win I don't really see Arsenal putting up much of a fight but at the same time Arteta might know a little bit more about City than other managers, but that can probably be the only reason that you predict anything other than a very comfortable Man City win. So it'll be interesting to watch purely from that tactical standpoint, but otherwise it's going to be 
it's going to be easy for Man City, I think. Okay, and then moving on, we have Manchester United versus Newcastle. Uh, second place Man United against Newcastle side, who apparently can only beat Southampton. Um, as it stands, that's their best result in recent weeks, although they beat Everton as well. They, they've really struggled to build any momentum from those results. And you would think after you pick up such great results against you know teams above you in the Premier League that you would be able to build on them and and really start to fight against what's been a struggle for the last couple of months. But they really haven't done that. And they're really going through a bit of a crisis at the moment, not just with injuries, but in terms of form. They were so abject in that game against Chelsea on Monday night. I thought they were almost effortless. They didn't, in, in the worst sense of the word, they, they didn't put in any effort. And you're always going to lose a game when you play that way. And that's exactly what happened. And nobody was surprised. But I just don't see where they're going to be able to pick up points from the rest of the season. They've just been so poor um, going forwards defensively. And I think they have a lot less about them than, say, teams in and around them, like Fulham. I think Fulham have way more going for them than than this Newcastle side. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if if they are the team that drop below Fulham and, and get relegated this season. And it would be sad because Newcastle are a side who rely so much on their fans to get them through games, and they've not had that for almost a year now. And it's really impacted the side, in my opinion. But unfortunately, I just can't see anything else. And this game in particular is... is you know, not great for them going to Man United, who do have a history of scoring a lot of goals against Newcastle and especially at Old Trafford. So it's not a good matchup. And although Man United haven't been at their best recently, I really do expect this to be pretty comfortable for them. I completely agree with what you said about Newcastle in the game against Chelsea. They seem to go into games against the sort of the big teams and almost just accept from the beginning that they don't compete with them and then they just sort of let let it happen they were like absolute passengers in that game there was no attempt to even well it didn't even look like they wanted to win the game let alone get a draw from it they were quite happy to just let the 90 minutes roll over and and that was it and we said the same about them after they played Man City a few well, quite a few weeks ago now, but it was exactly the same. You know, they may as well have not turned up to that match because they just put in absolutely nothing. And you can only imagine the reaction of the fans if they were in the stadium. Because yes, as you said, they are hugely vocal fan base, hugely passionate, and they deserve better than what they're seeing um, from this Newcastle team at the moment. Yeah, it seems like a really easy one to predict, doesn't it? But then you know, we have seen United have some strange results against the teams that are right down the bottom. So there, there is a chance of an upset, but. I've, I'm not going to call one. A 3-0 win for Man United seems fairly likely to me. And I think you'd struggle to find a Newcastle fan out there that would predict anything other than than a heavy defeat, to be honest, which is a sad state of affairs for the club um, in the current state. Yeah, it really is. And a club that big doesn't deserve to struggle so much. And they've had it so bad for so long. And it, and it just makes you wonder you know, how long Mike Ashley's going to continue torturing these fans because he is the one to blame for all of this, realistically. He's the one that makes all the decisions, calls the shots and... Newcastle haven't been a good side for, you know, since they've been promoted almost, whenever that was, four or five years ago. Uh, they just haven't pushed on and you'd expect a club of their stature to be able to, you know, make those moves to solidify themselves as a top 10 team, which we all know they are deep down, you know, a bit of a sleeping giant, but they just haven't been able to do anything about it because of the financial ineptability that, that Mike Ashley has, has brought to the club, which is such a shame. Just quickly talking about uh, Manchester United and um, some of their players who are doing well lately. I think a lot of the shine obviously goes to Fernandes and what he's doing offensively for Man United. But another player who's probably deserved just as much praise as Fernandes has been Luke Shaw recently. I think he's probably going through the best spell in his career in in any shirt. I think he's probably the best version of himself that he's probably ever been in terms of fitness, in terms of what he's doing offensively and defensively. Yeah, do you think he's he's one to look out for, um, for the Euros especially? He's not been in the England squad for a long time. Do you think he deserves a recall? And do you think he should arguably start a left-back? I think he's put in a really, really good argument for himself to be taking that role, hasn't he? The, the way he's played this season consistently has been fantastic. Some of the best football we've seen from him in, in seasons. I would say it would be difficult for Gareth Southgate to overlook that at this stage. You always want to see the international managers picking players who are in form, and he is in form. So I, if it was me picking the squad, he would definitely be there, and he'd definitely be in contention for starting in that position. Okay, bringing us on to our final game of the match week, we've got Brighton taking on Crystal Palace. Again, two teams in very similar positions in the league. Once again, we've got another one of these matchups where whoever wins this gains a big advantage over the teams around them. Neither team have done a lot to impress me 
all season, really. I know Brighton have played some nice football and they've got some big results recently. Um, but then they also seem to really struggle to finish off games against teams that they, they should have a chance to win. So difficult one to call, really, isn't it? I, I mean, both teams look like they're quite happy to take a draw from games like this. So I wouldn't be too surprised if it was one. I don't know. I think we've we've both been fairly critical of Crystal Palace, so I'm guessing you're not going to have predicted them to win. But, you know, let's see. You forgot to mention it's the M23 derby, the biggest game on the football calendar, and you've just completely overlooked it. Oh, I haven't um, slipped my mind. I hope, yeah, I know. Hopefully Brighton and Crystal Palace fans find it in their heart to forgive you about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that does bring a bit of spice to this game. I don't know if it actually does mean more to the players. Um, definitely doesn't seem to come across that way, in my opinion. But... Um, it's definitely one that the fans get up for because um, it is the closest thing they have to a real rivalry. So hopefully that brings a little bit of edge to this game. Uh, Brighton, I thought recently, have actually been very impressive. I mean, they've not been scoring a ton of goals, but they've been, you know, winning games as they arguably shouldn't have been. Uh, huge wins against Tottenham and Liverpool, and then they've had two probably disappointing results from their point of view in their last two games, getting a draw against Burnley and Aston Villa. But again, these aren't games that they're losing, and I think. That's a massive improvement on where they were early in the season, where they were playing good football and losing games, whereas now they're playing good football, getting the odd win um, and, and picking up points. And if you look at their last six games, they've picked up 12 points, which is, you know, way more than they could ever expect. And it's really credit to the club for sticking with Graham Potter. Yeah, they could have easily binned them off early in the season, but they've stuck with them. And now it's starting to to, to prove, you know, justified because they, they've been maybe not super great to watch, but they're, they're getting results against teams they, they definitely need to be getting results against. And that's something that, you know, has to happen for a, from a Brighton point of view. As for Crystal Palace, I feel like I've run out of insults over the last couple of weeks for them. And I would go into how bad they've been recently again, but I feel like no Crystal Palace fan really wants to hear it. But that was the hard, they're not really worth talking about, to be honest. And that's the way it's been all season, the way it's always going to be. You know, that Burnley performance was out of the top draw of shit, really was probably the worst performance under Roy Hodgson, arguably. And yeah, at this point, how much longer do you give Roy Hodgson? Because this football hasn't been good all season. Like, you would be lying to someone if you said, you know, oh, we were okay in the first couple of weeks of the season, because they really weren't. But if they're going to get rid of Roy, are they going to do it at the end of the season or are they going to do it now? What, what do you reckon is the better choice for them? Do, would you sack him in the middle of this struggle they're going through or would you just bin him off at the end of the season? Honestly, I, I don't I don't know if it makes a difference. I think they just just find them such a crap team. But I hope we don't have too many Crystal Palace fans listening to this because they probably hate us by now. But honestly, if I mean, it looks like they'll survive relegation because they're, they're fairly far off that sort of point. But in my opinion, they'll be one of the worst teams to ever survive relegation. I don't actually really understand how they've got as many points as they have because I don't remember them winning many games because they just play such terrible football that I can't picture them winning. They could get rid of Hodgson now and maybe they'll bring in someone. But who are they going to bring? It's going to have to be someone that brings a different style of football, something more exciting. But then we've said time and time again, the, the problem isn't really Hodgson. It's, it's the squad they've got. I mean, they've got quite an ageing squad. They've got a, a massive over-reliance on one or two players, Zahar being the, the obvious one. But now Eze sort of becoming his sort of understudy that is almost sort of overtaking him in that rank in terms of the performances recently. If you take those two out of the team, where did the goals come from? I think you could bring in Pep Guardiola in there and he'd have a terrible time with them. You could bring in Klopp, you could bring in Mourinho, you could bring in any of the big names in football and they'd struggle to get that team to win games. So yeah, one of my least favourite teams to watch and... I I sort of hope they don't win a single game until the end of the season and they go back down to the championship and then we can all forget about them and stop talking about them, really. Yeah, that would be a blessing, to be honest, because as we've seen so far this season, they've been our least favourite team to talk about, least favourite team to give compliments to. And you would think if they do get relegated, then they'll finally lose Zahar and they'll have to just rebuild, which is something they desperately need to do. It's rare that you say that relegation would probably benefit a team, but definitely be a, a kick up the ass for, for Crystal Palace. And they desperately need it because, you know, this team is stale. I've seen it from so many Crystal Palace fans on social media. They're just, they hate watching their team every week because of how bad it's got. And once you get to that stage, it's almost impossible to recover. And, you know, we saw it with England. Roy Hodgson is not the man to play entertaining football to get you out of a problem. And... Until they change that, I don't see anything going positively for Crystal Palace. So the next manager does take over there, and I don't expect that to be too long to wait for. I think they've got a big job, but I can't see them doing any worse. No, I agree. I think you you have to think that there's there's got to be improvement there because you, you can't get worse, really. 
But yeah, I mean, just going back fun, on the final point on this game, probably inevitable considering the way we've just been talking about it, but I've gone for a nil-nil draw. Um, and I think that's probably how it's going to go. Um, can't see anything other than that. Yeah, what what do you think? Are you going to surprise me with a 4-0 Crystal Palace win or something? After all that slating and you've only gone for a draw, I thought you would have gone massively in, in Brighton's favour. But um, I guess that's for me to do. I've gone for a 3-1 Brighton win. I just expect them to be a bit too good, to be honest. I think they've been unlucky recently, not scoring not scoring as many goals as they probably deserved. And maybe they'll get a bit of a goal glut against a, a Crystal Palace team who everybody just fancies to lose every week. So I've gone big. You've gone for the safe option. <laughs> All right, that brings an end to this episode of our 3PL podcast. Thanks again to Mike for coming on this week and chatting all things Tottenham. You can check him out over on Instagram at hotspur underscore hustler. And again, big shout out to everyone out there who continues to listen each week. We'll be back again next week to preview all the upcoming games in the Premier League. Until then, make sure you are following us on social media. That's Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And also make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. And we'll catch you all again next week.